In German supermarkets and restaurants, what can be bought in varieties marked loud and quiet? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. Welcome to a very special show, as it's our first birthday. Hey! Woo! Happy birthday. Unfortunately, <laughs> due to an administrative error, uh, the caterers sent the party food to the Literal with Tim Schott podcast. So if you're listening, Tim, <laughs> please do enjoy the volivants. <laughs> Meanwhile, joining me to share a plate of slightly out-of-date biscuits, please welcome a first-timer on the show from Living London History, Jack Cheshire. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, Jack? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Um, I mean, we're, we're a long way into this recording block now, and I'm told by the producer, this is the part where I start getting competitive. So I'm going to try and rein <laughs> that in a little. How are you feeling first time here? Yeah, I'm good. A little bit nervous. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what to expect, really, with these uh, questions. But no, looking forward to it. I don't think I have any questions coming up, unfortunately, about London history, but that is your ah. specialty, right? That is my spirit. Yeah, I'm a London sort of tour guide and blogger and content creator. So, yeah, that's a shame then. Also joining us on the podcast this week, we have one half of the Sci Guys podcast, Curry Will. Hello, the best half of the podcast, if I do say so myself. Rude. <laughs> I without wanting to spoil the, the joke that I tried to set up and which hasn't worked there, there might be someone taking issue with that later. Now, this is a return to the show for you. How was it last time? It was very fun, actually. And one of my favorite parts is when it suddenly comes up and I see it online. Little videos. I'm like, oh, I did that. <laughs> that's me. That's, that's a thing. <laughs> and also joining us from the Sci Guys podcast, the other half of the show, Luke Cutforth. Hey, the best half, if, my, if you ask me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to put you two in a duel to the death here. You do, you do sort of bring different things to the show. Thank you. As one of our subscribers put it, um, Corey does the research and Luke. <laughs> <laughs> it's not untrue. <laughs> well, best of luck to all three of you with today's questions. Just because it's our birthday doesn't mean the show is any different. We'll be blowing out candles while igniting the spark of creativity. Or alternatively, just getting a big sugar rush from all the frosting on the cake. So I'm going to help you uh, to a generous slice of question one, which goes like this. At the Tokyo Hand Store in Shibuya, a step on the staircase has the number minus 1.260 written on it. The step above reads minus 1.365. Why? I'll give you that one more time. At the Tokyo Hand Store in Shibuya, a step on the staircase has the number minus 1.260 written on it. The step above reads minus 1.365. Why? I'm going to apologise to everyone in Japan for my pronunciation of Shibuya. Shib Shibuya? I honestly... It's, it's a department store in Japan, okay? We'll, we'll just go with that. That helps a lot. Um, there are 365 days in a year. I know that. That's immediately what I thought as well. They, they, they correlate to a day, a particular day in the year, possibly, or uh, a significant date in the history of the company. Or... or is there something to do with coordinates? It's slow shoppers. That's how long it takes to get up the steps because there's just so many people. Maybe that's it. That's it, right? Not quite. Yeah. Not, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, minus minus one point is. Oh dear, this is tough. And do they all do they all have numbers on? Or is it just? Those yes, they do. All of those steps have numbers. I've just given you a couple of examples of them. Do the numbers relate to a, a floor in the building, possibly? Like it would be sort of one point something something, two Ooh. point something something relating to different areas. 
like it's on negative floor negative one, but you're on the way down to negative two. So you're like, you're mm. like part of the way there. Is that what you mean? That, that is sort of what I mean. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. That yeah. might work if the numbers were the other way around. But in this case, as you go up, the numbers get lower. Now, Tom, can um, I ask a question here? I may be mishearing what you're saying here, but you're saying, you say a Tokyo hands store, like a store that sells hands. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything that I've learned about this show is that every piece of information is crucial. So I thought I'll check that because it sounds like a shop that sells hands. <laughs> um, as far as I understand it, they might sell gloves or things like that, but it is a fairly upscale department store. And the the numbers, the second was minus 1.365, and the first yeah. was minus 1.260. I wouldn't necessarily say first or second, but those are those are two oh. numbers on the steps. Yeah. So do the numbers relate to the steps specifically, or could I take one of the numbers and put them on any other step and it would still work? No, in this case, you would have to put that number on each step. And the steps are sequential, so there would presumably be... Another step with a higher number after the highest, the higher number, and a lower number with the okay after the lower number. Do they go below one or above two? Oh yes, they do. Okay, but is there anything specifically interesting about these two that you've decided to tell us about? No, no. The question rises okay. just being jerks. There's some numbers on some steps. <laughs> okay, God. I was thinking it possibly something to do with altitude of mm. the steps or the the mm. heights of the steps. Possibly that the, sort of difference in heights between them. Oh, sea level, sea level, sea level. Yeah, that's closer to it. Is it distance from a peak of some sort? There are mountains in Japan. Not quite. This, no, okay. I, I'm, I'm hesitating <laughs> with that. I, again, I don't want to just immediately no, but you here yeah. as opposed to yes and. But I yeah. can't. <laughs> you're starting to head the right way. Hmm. Oh, is it like um like a ratio of the of the height of the building? So, for example, like if you're on if you're on a floor on the way down, you're like uh you're below the building by one point zero one whatever buildings worth. Is the is the one a quantity of something? Is it relative to a height? It is a quantity of something. It's not height. Okay. Okay. It's certainly related to the height. The numbers do get steadily more negative as you go up, but it's not telling you how high you are steadily more negative as you go up okay Ooh. and uh, and if they were to be if there were to be an underground area of this building would the numbers get steadily higher as you went down no you'd have to move where the zero point was ah uh, okay so let's oh. try and figure out where the zero point is then okay so where could the zero point could it be um it's not sea level is it important that this is in Japan? I have actually seen this in a few places in Japan, and I've never seen it outside there. Um, but it's more uh, a social thing. It's intended to kind of nudge human behaviour a little. I was going to say, it must be there for a reason, to sort of provide information. Oh, is it to do with getting exercise in some way? Like you're climbing up stairs and that is exercising you? Ah. Oh. Yep. So, what might those numbers represent? Sort of ca ca how many calories you're burning? Oh, calories! Yes. Yeah. Oh, you got it! You got it! <laughs> well done, Jack. So, what would the zero point be? The, the bottom of the stairs, really. Yeah. Yep. It starts <sighs> at zero at the bottom of the stairs, oh, and as brilliant. you step up, there is just a marker on each step showing how many uh, calories in the in the colloquial term kilocalories you have burned going up. It's not much, 
It's 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 a fraction of a calorie per step, but they mark them out for you. Uh, I've seen this in a couple of train stations in Tokyo when I was there. There's a few places that just tell you how many calories you burn going up the steps <laughs> in an attempt to encourage that. I feel like it might be more discouraging having to look at it and see, ah, I've, I've walked up all these steps and I've burned exactly three calories. Just <laughs> you, yeah, sort of a chocolate biscuit or something. It's like 100 calories, isn't it? So it's sort of, yeah. I feel like that's particularly interesting because um, as far as I recall, now you have to fact check me on this, but I think that calories were invented but sorry, um, like the, the idea of 10,000 steps, for example, was invented by a Japanese pedometer maker. And so maybe this is just a, the, the idea of like fitness every day, as opposed to like always working out all the time, but just generally incorporating fitness into your day might be more of a like general government policy or cultural thing in Japan than it is over in the West. I think it is, but it also sort of had the opposite effect on me in that I was coming up to, I think it was Tamachi Station, which has this. I looked at the steps and it told me it's going to be about three calories. And I thought, I'll just take the escalator. It doesn't make that much difference. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. As if the only point of exercising is to burn calories. I actually do have one single fact about Japanese pedometers, which is a very me fact I have. <laughs> I want a jingle for this. I want like Curry's Japanese pedometer fact jingle to go in here. <laughs> Curry's Japanese pedometer facts. So, for the release of Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, there was a Poke Walker. And it was basically a pedometer that you catch little Pokemon on it. But it was such a good pedometer <laughs> that all of the pedometer companies were like, oh, we should try and copy this. There have been studies on this pedometer because it was more accurate than anything else on the market. But it was just made to get kids to buy more Pokemon stuff and walk around. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> that has been Cory's Japanese pedometer fact. Each of our guests has brought a question along. I don't know the question. I definitely don't know the answer. And we're going to start today with Luke. What have you got for us? Okay, so my question has been sent in by Ifan, and it is that in the 4th and 3rd centuries BC, Chinese generals were given a three-inch flat-backed talisman featuring a tiger facing to the left. How were they used to keep the peace? I'll give you that again from the beginning. In the 4th and 3rd centuries BC, Chinese generals were given a three-inch flat-backed talisman featuring a tiger facing to the left. How were they used to keep the peace? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've just got three baffled people on that one. <laughs> is the show. tiger significance in kind of Chinese? Is it, does it symbolize something, the tiger? That is a very good first question. And I'm going to ask it back at you. Do the, does it symbolize something? <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh. It's one of the signs of the zodiac, I think. The Chinese zodiac, unless I'm very much mistaken. It is, there. yeah. You can have a year oh, yeah. of the tiger. What would tiger symbolize? Strength, power, independence or something? Cats. <laughs> Holding your child up above a giant precipice as part of a ritual. That's lions. That's lions. Oh, it's in the name, it. Tom. <laughs> it is as well. It is. That's a, that's a complete blunder there. <laughs> tiger King is very different to Lion King, and I've only just realised how similar those names are in my head. <laughs> <laughs> also, how has it been three years since Tiger King and I've never made a connection to Lion King before in my head? Like, the whole internet must have got to that joke before me. Oh my gosh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I hadn't thought of that either. 
that's obviously why they called it that, was it? I don't know. Or no, maybe I think not. it's just because he was the king of the tigers, really. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, much like in The Lion King, Simba was just the king of the lions. Stop yeah, spoilers, yeah. sorry. Well, he can't <laughs> wait to be the king of the lions, more precisely, Corey. Um, no, so you said third and fourth century. I said the fourth and third century BC. 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 Oh. That's why it's the fourth and third, because the lower it gets, the closer you get to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, presumably it looking left is significant as well okay would you use it for something the 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 medal possibly other than just hanging around your neck to sort of have to stamp something i don't know like a seal no no it's not a seal it's it's a tiger (laughs) 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 hi today i'm in crap pun mode apparently (laughs) (laughs) i've got nothing else to hang on to with this question you said it was to keep the peace loose Yes, it was It was used to keep the peace. I did say that. Or I asked you how it was used to keep the peace. So I suppose, by extension, it was used to keep the peace. Um, you got me there. Um, but you were, you were pretty warm straight away by asking, what does a tiger represent? So I think sort of dabble around in that area. Okay, and avoid any and all stereotypes and offence to anyone Chinese. Cool, here we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we're playing Cancel Tom Scott Bingo. How will it end? <laughs> It's been a long time coming. <laughs> That's why the channel's ending at the end of the year. He's, he's, looking, he's getting cancelled. <laughs> does it, does it, it doesn't sort of remind them, it's not a symbol of kind of the royalty or something and reminds them who's in charge and it keeps the peace in that sense. Very, very warm. Very warm. Almost on fire. So is it royalty or is it maybe something more spiritual? Is it, is it reminding people of a person? It's reminding people of a person. The king, <laughs> the, emperor. The, the emperor, the king indeed, the king. Okay, and they're all mm. facing left. Is it like a reminder they're all trying to go in the same direction? They're all working together. That's an interesting question, Tom. I don't know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> um, one of the one of the kind of clues I've got here is um, what would a left and right facing talisman give you? Oh, oh, hold on, wait, hold on. Is it to stamp something? Is that what this is about? Because if it's facing left, if you stamp it, would it then face right? Is, is my brain working? No, you're right. It'd be a mirror image if you if you stamp it. Because I feel like left is usually evil and bad, right? Not, I don't think that, but others have thought that throughout history. I think that's mostly a Christian thing. Oh, so it is, yeah. I think that would be later. Mm, it would be. Yeah, because the Latin for left and right is sinister and dexter, or sinister and dexter, something like that, which is where we get those word roots from. But I'm not sure that'd be 4th, 3rd century BCE in China. So it represents the king. It's looking, is it looking, well, it doesn't mean it's always looking in the same direction, does it? Because presumably they'd be wearing it. They wear it. Did the king have like a right hand pointing tiger and they could like link the two up as a Power Rangers by our powers combined kind of thing there. (laughs) Okay, so you're getting towards the right direction. That actually is a clue, a right direction. I want you to think about what would happen um, when you joined a left and right facing tiger talisman, for example. They would kiss. Everyone has a right facing one, (laughs) and then the left ones, they kiss. And the king loved tiger kissing, yes. (laughs) That's it. They could lock into each other. If you have a design, uh, one left, one right, you could connect them face to face. 
Correct. Now, I'll introduce a new sort of idea here for you, um, which is I want you to think about how something similar might be used in modern day in, for example, nuclear launches. Right. So nuclear launches have what's called the two-man rule. Oh. Mm. But you need two keys in order to activate something. And the keyholes are far enough apart that one person can't operate both. You need two people with two keys turning at the same time. So is this more an authentication thing of, of proving you are who you say you are by being able to lock this in? Yes. Um, this was basically a system to stop coups. So basically, generals could only move their army if the left and the right sides were clipped together to form a complete 3D tiger. So it is a sort of authentication system to say these two things have come together, they've clipped together to make one full tiger, and now the army uh, can proceed with, with, with whatever orders you're trying to give it. The, the king or someone authorised by the king had the right-hand side, the general had the left-hand side. And so only when they're together. Only when they make the decision together and combine the tigers. Exactly. Who do they show this to? Like the army? That's like, a... okay, we're going, guys. See? There you go. Let's That's go. the point. If you're the general, you say, yeah, absolutely got the talisman. What are you going to do about it? I've got the army. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're absolutely right there. Um, basically, the king holds the right-hand side and the, and the left-hand side is held by um, a general. And when combined, they can move the army. So I suppose in that sense, the king is kind of the arbiter. The king decides what... Like, the king is the one who sees it and also has the other seal. Thank you to Nelson Deichman for sending this one in. In 2018, a common criminal used a child's toy to assist in shoplifting some expensive electronics. While fleeing the scene, he left behind the toy, which also allowed police to charge him with attempted theft. What was the toy, and how was he caught? One more time. In 2018, a common criminal used a child's toy to assist in shoplifting some expensive electronics. While fleeing the scene, he left behind the toy, which also allowed police to charge him with attempted theft. What was the toy, and how was he caught? So my immediate thought is a child's lockpicking set, but... I don't think they sell those outside of Scotland, so... <laughs> I'm glad you've got that accent, Corey. That's, that saved me for that joke. My immediate thought is um, less racist, and um, it is that I know that, for example, it is, um, it's, it's illegal to pretend to have a gun, even if it's not a real gun. So I'm going to Take a guess that um, this is like a child's replica gun or some kind of um, water pistol. Um, and when they left behind the toy, um, they the, the fingerprints are on the gun. And so they know that he, uh, but the gun was from the shop itself. Does that make sense? Am I anywhere close? There was a key word in there. It wasn't gun or water pistol or anything like that, unfortunately. There is the offence of going equipped in Britain as well, or at least that's the slang for it. Like, mm. if you have a lockpicking set with you and do not have a reasonable excuse for having a lockpicking set with you, I think that is a crime in the UK. Like, if if you are carrying like equipment, yeah, if you're carrying knives and are not a chef on the way to work or something similar, that is an offence. Um, in this case, nothing quite so ominous. So I thought possibly. Uh, well, no, I, my immediate kind of, I was trying to think of toys and I thought of like an etch-a-sketch. So maybe like drawing out the map of the building 
how you know to how to get in and how to get around and where the goods are so that he could you know so it's, it's not suspicious carrying an etch sketch necessarily <laughs> maybe it is if you're an adult i don't know um and then, and then yeah, just for different reasons as he's leaving the idea would have been to you know erase it with the side thing and destroy all the evidence but he forgot to do it and dropped the etch sketch <laughs> that would suggest that he was walking out very calmly because if he was running that etch sketch would have been gone you know like you just shake it <laughs> yeah that's true my mind is going to like radio controlled cars. So not like running one inside the building or whatever, but I feel like you could, if there's a poor security system, I don't know anything about electronics. Uh, if there's a poor security system, I feel like you could use some kind of radio controller to get into there, I think. He is trying to get around security systems. You're right there. But mm. just having the radio-controlled car or the Etch-a-Sketch or whatever wouldn't let the police link him to the crime. Did you say when this happened? 2018. So that's when kids were playing with, like, phones and whatnot. Like, you have electrical toys for children as opposed to plastic things and whatnot. It's not sort of like Play-Doh or something like that and he's left his fingerprints in <gasps> the Play-Doh? Yes. Yes, it is. I remember seeing no this. Way. Yes. He used he used um, Play-Doh to like something to do with a lock. He like forced it into something, or he like covered it over CCTV cameras or something like that. He covered it over the speaker on the alarm on the stuff he was stealing to try and muffle Brilliant. the sound. Oh yes, oh, yes, <laughs> that is genius. Oh, I love that. Brilliant. Flash, not genius because he left his fingerprints all over it. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to commit a crime, wear gloves, obviously. That's like rule number one. But yeah, that is a good idea, other than the fingerprints. He left behind some of the Play-Doh uh, when he was startled and fled the scene, and it had a <laughs> perfect impression of his fingerprints, which were already on file from previous arrests. So that was an almost perfect connection to the crime. I feel like you're asking to be caught at that point. You know what I mean? If you know that you've got your fingerprints on file and you're not even... Wear gloves, everyone. Please wear gloves for crime. You've, you've chosen the exact children's toy that leaves an exact replica uh, <laughs> of your, your fingerprint. You know, someone also using my first DNA analysis kit in order to just break into something. <laughs> Leaving the result. The same year, apparently, police in Wales identified a drug dealer uh, because he sent a WhatsApp photo holding the drugs and camera phones are clear enough that you could see the fingerprints in the photo. Oh, and wow. that was enough to identify him. Amazing. That's terrifying. Yeah, it is. Again, wear gloves for crimes. I'll say it for the third time. If you're going to commit please wear gloves. Next question comes from Jack. Take it away. Okay, so my question is, four friends, Henry, Heidi, Hamid and Hazel, walk into an unfamiliar bar and notice that there is a table shuffleboard game. However, the bar manager advises Hazel that she mustn't play, but the others can. Why? Four friends, Henry, Heidi, Hamid, and Hazel, walk into an unfamiliar bar and notice there is a table shuffleboard game. However, the bar manager advises Hazel that she mustn't play, but the others can. Why? Is this a true story? Because it sounds kind of like one of those... It doesn't uh, very, feel like a true late. story. <laughs> it, feel, it feels like something that the question writer has made up as a word puzzle somewhere, but okay. It feels like a GCSE exam question, yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, a hypothetical situation. <laughs> yeah. So the answer isn't something like sexism. 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got Heidi in there as well. You we've know, Heidi that's, in that's there. a fairly gendered name. Oh, you're allowed one show. girl. It's no girls allowed, you see. So one is one is fine. No, we've got we've got Henry, Heidi, Hamid, and Hazel. And Henry. So two girls, two boys. Okay. Okay, what do we know about Shuffleboard? Nothing. Okay, so shuffleboard, basically, um, you have, it's sort of like um, curling that you see at the Olympics where you like throw a little um, weighted disc along the ice and then someone quickly sweeps the surface to make it go really fast. But this instead happens on like a, 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 a sort of long table um, that you might see in a bar, sort of like the kind of thing you might see in medieval times, people having a banquet around. Um, and like the, mm. the table in that, in that painting of, um, of, of the Last Supper, with Jesus. Um, and you basically throw your weighted disc from one end to the other. There's some sort of sandy stuff along the surface to make the disc sort of travel better. And you're trying to get it as far down the table without falling off the sides or off the end. Um, you got that? And the next day, one of the people at the table betrays you. Got it. <laughs> and the- <laughs> they all play the game of shuffleboard after the dinner. <laughs> I, I think it's on the floor as well, usually, right? They're just kind of pushing stuff along with a, uh, pushing the discs along with a stick. Shuffleboard is usually with your hand, yeah. And you want to land, try and land them in, you know, you get mo- most points for landing it in the end yes. sort of section. So I'm going to start out trying to think laterally and ask, is there something called Hazel involved in shuffleboard? Is that what the sand, the dusting on the table is called? So every time it's Hazel's turn, someone goes, Hazel, and then some shuffleboard attendee comes and puts loads of stuff all over the table and you're wasting all your, all your Hazel. Um, and so you're just like, Hazel can't play. The <laughs> table shuffleboards are made of Hazel wood. And so she's not allowed to play because her name is the same as... The, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> we'd, keep, we'd keep sliding stuff on her face if she played shuffleboard, so she can't play shuffleboard. <laughs> so you're actually, weirdly, <laughs> sort of very close. Complete shot in the dark answer. But sort of then went down the wrong route by saying you're sliding pucks over her face. (laughs) (laughs) Do we know everything we need to know about these four people? Is there something special about these that hasn't been mentioned in the question? Or is Hazel just a person? Yes, there is something about them that you, that would help you answer this question. (laughs) About the people? Well, about Hazel. Okay, so I'm going to guess there's something in the shuffleboard game that is called or is referred to as Hazel. So is the scoring system, is one of the areas on the board called a Hazel point, a Hazel score, a Hazel area? Uh, and then when you're trying to top up the points, it's Hazel's turn. You say, Hazel, you think you've just scored the jackpot and get 100 points? And actually, it's just Hazel's turn. So she has to leave. It's, it's not really anything to do with her name. But her name is a clue. Okay, so think back to what you said uh, before about how you play shuffleboard and what you would use to play shuffleboard. Your hands. Hazel doesn't have any hands. And so we're leaving her out. That's not very nice. Ableist, Jack. Terribly ableist, yes. Yeah. (laughs) You did say it earlier, actually. Did I? <laughs> yeah. So Hazel is the name. It's her name isn't important, but Hazel is important. It, 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 her name 
you could get it without her name. It's the name isn't right really relevant, but like the the the, the question aunt, uh, writer has put that name in as a bit of a clue. Okay, well, well, Tom was talking about wood. Tom was talking about Hazel Wood. Mm. So uh, let's go there. Hazel is also not just a type of wood. <laughs> it's also the color of Marge Simpson's eyes. Fun fact. There you go. Another one from me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hazel is not a type, not just a type of wood. Hazel? Sand? So that is what you said earlier, and that is a lot closer to the answer. Okay. So it's a sort of dusting. Um, oh, gosh. Is it what the discs are made from? Or is it to do with the sand? No, it's not, it's not what the discs are made of. Oh, it's what the table's made from. It's not what the table's no, made of. it's what the sand is. It's the sand, it's the sand that you sprinkle, the sort of the stuff that you lubricate the table with. Is it like an oil? An oil? Hazel oil? Hazel oil. That sounds like a thing. Very close with hazel oil, yeah. Like a sap. It's like a sap. Oh, like, like you, you're like smearing hazel sap or something like that on the table. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so sometimes they do use other things. But uh, so this particular thing they use for the sand means that Hazel can't play shuffleboard. Because every time they say, Hazel, it's your turn, and they call Hazel, they're going to do something no. to do with the shuffleboard. Okay. <laughs> is, is Hazel allergic to something? And this is what they use for shuffleboard? Yes, exactly. What on earth do they use in shuffleboard that a person's going to be allergic to? Hazel. Pollen. Um, Hazel? What? Oh my gosh. Hold Whatever on, hazel is, that's what they use. <laughs> You're going to be allergic to crustaceans? So, um, pollen? What else? Oh my gosh. No, it's something that's crushed that's used as the sand or the, the sort of lubricant on the table. Oh, wait, is she gluten intolerant or something? Is, is she like celiac and she can't touch? <laughs> She's Wheat not flour. gluten intolerant. What is a common allergy? Peanuts. Oh, peanut oil. They use peanut oil. So she's allergic to nuts. And they use nuts on shuffleboard. Oh, ground up nuts as the... Oh, they use ground up like walnut or peanut Hazel or something nuts. as the dust. Hazel yeah. nuts. Hazel nuts. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> brilliant. She's named after the thing she's allergic to. That's so cruel. We're, we're going we're gonna to seem really stupid, but I promise you, when, you, when you're sitting here... And the, and the question's asked, your brain just does not connect the word hazel and the word nut to the word hazelnuts, all right? Oh, for some God. reason, for, oh. for some reason, that just did not, did not connect. In the last time we were on the show, Tom, there were all these comments going, I was screaming at the screen the whole way through. How did these idiots not get it? That's going to be one of these clips. We're going to get screamed you, at. You try sitting here, all right? If, you, if, if you're watching, you, you try sitting here and just... <laughs> just what you know what I'm going to take away from this question is the fact that thousands of people have just been listening to this and just yelling the word nuts out loud repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. For the last 2 minutes. And you were, you were so close right near the beginning. I thought we were going to get it in about 2 minutes and then you went <laughs> you're sort of dancing around the answer. They use <laughs> hazelnut oil or hazelnut They sometimes use different materials, but there's this sort of rough sand that obviously helps the puck sort of slide along the table and protects the polish uh, of the table. And there's a brown version of this sand that they use crushed up walnut shells, actually, usually. But she um, is allergic to nuts. The bar manager would have asked them if they had, if they had a nut allergy. And so she couldn't play. 
You can't play some types of table shuffleboard with a nut allergy. That's amazing. There's a, there's another um, apparently another type that uses dry cornmeal and silicon beans. So uh, uh, silicon beads. So if you're allergic to nuts, you can use that type of uh, mm. shuffleboard topping. Good luck, folks. Here we go. A clear perspex box of around a hundred similar items is on view in a public place. Some people have described this as basically a bomb, even though it's there for a safety reason. Where has the box been installed? And one more time, a clear perspex box of around a hundred similar items is on view in a public place. Some people have described this as basically a bomb, even though it's there for safety reasons. Where has the box been installed? Okay, firstly, where are you having something for safety reasons that's also in on display somewhere? Lots of places. Um, airports, you have all those people standing there. They're on display. They're not doing much, but they're there for safety reasons on display. So it's a clear perspective <laughs> box with 100 armed policemen inside. Sideburn on the, on the US TSA there for some reason. <laughs> not entirely unjustified, but still. <laughs> My mind jumps immediately to knives, but knives and bombs aren't, they're not the same thing to my understanding. <laughs> it must be sort of wires and electronics for it to be perceived as a bomb, surely. Well, it's basically a bomb. It could also be like TNT or something, you know? <laughs> oh, like, like, a, like a, oh, come and, come and drop. If you've got any bombs, come and drop them off in our big box. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bomb amnesty box. Yes. Yeah, yes. exactly. You know? Okay, I like, I like that lateral thinking there, Corey, of it's, it's there for safety reasons is to get the, get the bomb, the TNT into the box as opposed to it being safety itself. Um, that is some nice lateral thinking. It doesn't sound like it's right, but it mm. sounds like it. I, I like it. <laughs> so the fact it's per perspex must mean that people need to be able to see, it, see inside of it to check everything's there and to check it's all kind of in place. Well, we are, I feel like we're along the right lines with an airport or something like a train station or uh, something to make sure that everything's running okay. There's certainly a lot of people around here. So like an art museum... Um... Yeah, it's just it's just an installation down at the Tate, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling something like I I say this, if it's a bomb, it does it doesn't necessarily need to be wires and whatnot. It could also be something like manure, just anything that you know when put inside of a perspex box. One hundred cesium atoms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's quite enough. In a box. It's an amnesty box for your cesium. Bring your cesium down, guys, and hand it in. Don't get it wet, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's raining. Close the box. <laughs> really should have put a lid on that box, you know? <laughs> Can somebody put something in the box? Is there like a little slot or some kind of opening there? No, it's just on display. So it's a sealed box. Okay. Yeah. Switches. Or something like that with lights on. You need to be able to check the lights are on. They're flashing. You need to check that all the lights are flashing so it looks like it's counting down. It's got a timer on it, maybe. In this case, it's only basically a bomb. It's not deliberately a bomb. It's explosive in some way. Yeah, a bomb is something that explodes very easily. Right? You've got a Perspex box with a load of 100 similar items inside it. Similar, but not the same. So... About 100. So are these are these items inherently, shall we say, explosive, or is it a reaction between them and each other, or just 
you leave them over time and they become more dangerous? If these degrade in just the right way, yeah, you could have something explosive here. Batteries. Batteries. Right, so it's loads of Samsung galaxies from about four years ago. They're all hanging out in a perspex <laughs> box. And it's like, like you have to hand in your, your Samsung galaxies at like airports. You're not allowed to, like certain one Samsung galaxy before you get on a flight. You're not allowed to. Um, it's all the confiscated Samsung galaxies whose batteries explode and they're not allowed on planes. And it's saying, don't take this phone <laughs> on your plane. Here's 100 of them for some reason. You're surprisingly close. It's not a specific <laughs> brand of mobile phone, but it is a box of 100 damaged mobile phones. That's why it's basically a bomb. Wow. So it's phones that have exploded at some point and it's like showing them off and going, do not be this person. Oh. Don't put your phone in the in the hole. They haven't exploded. No, not oh. yet anyway. That's why it's basically a bomb. It's a hundred damaged mobile phones. So why has someone installed a Perspex box of a hundred damaged mobile phones next <laughs> to a queue of people? Oh my gosh, hold on. This is it's next to a roller coaster or something. And people have, yes. like, people have dropped their phones out of it. So it's just a display to show, be oh, careful yeah. with your phone uh. or it will fall out. Wow. <laughs> this is uh, in a few places, uh, Energylandia in Poland, Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. I've seen it in a couple of places. When someone loses their phone on the ride and it flies off and is shattered beyond recognition, at some point someone will pick it up and it goes in the box as a reminder to those who follow. That is so dangerous and unnecessary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you say that, I've been on a roller coaster and I don't know what it was or what happened, uh, but as we took a high-speed curve, I just saw something out the corner of my eye fly past and go, dunk, 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 off three metal supports and fly off. So presumably, that was someone holding mm. their phone and filming, lost it, and off it goes at like relative speed of 100 miles an hour to the next coaster. So there is a reason it's there. I wonder if anybody's ever dropped their phone at the top of the loop and then been hit on the head by it on the way out of the loop. <laughs> I don't know, but that fa that sounds like evil dude perfect. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it takes the perfect photo of everyone on the roller coaster <laughs> as it fell down. <laughs> and then you catch it again on the bottom. I mean, you do like hold in like zero G at a moment there. In theory, you could let it go for just a second, but I wouldn't advise trying it. You could engineer a roller coaster such that, I think, I don't know actually, I don't know how fast the phone would fall, but you could probably engineer one where you're able to go yeah. around the loop, drop it, and it arrives at the bottom at the same time as you, maybe? Yeah. Well volunteered. Yeah. No? <laughs> <laughs> Corey, over to you for the next question. What have you got for us? This question has been sent in by Steve Pierce. After an actress broke her ankle when filming the 1979 film The China Syndrome, it eventually led to the invention of Pizza Hut's Cheesy Bites Pizza. How? One more time. After an actress broke her ankle when filming the 1979 film The China Syndrome, it eventually led to the invention of Pizza Hut's Cheesy Bites Pizza. How? I'm going to start us off here by saying I think that part of the reason the Cheesy Bites pizzas exist, stuffed crust pizzas exist, is because there's some in, immense tax break on dairy that's a hangover from the war in America. Something like that. Is that correct? I mean, no, but it's in the right-ish area, if that makes sense. You're absolutely Yo. dead wrong on every single detail, but, but the vibes you're are in right. the right spot. Yeah, it's the right vibe, exactly. 
It's tax. It's about tax and money and financial incentives. Was she supposed to be the actress in something else and she broke her ankle so she couldn't be in it? And that affected, that made someone invent the Cheesy Bites pizza. I'm, 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 there's a big leap in there. But <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> it was less about her not being able to be in something else and more about what she went on to do after breaking her ankle. She invented the Cheesy Bites pizza. Well done, Luke. You got, no. <laughs> I did it. Okay, this isn't like... I'm going to drill down on what this pizza is, first of all. This is like having a tear and share extra bit around the Mm -hmm. pizza. It's not like they've just stuffed the crust. They've got a whole rip off the crust here, and it gives you something that could have been cooked separately. But it's food innovation from the 80s, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the pizza itself isn't all that important to this. I mean, it might be easier if you know who the act is so she was in nine to five on the golden pond or on golden pond and barbarella three films i have never seen (laughs) is that dolly parton no at nine to five you would think dolly parton but it's not it's not dolly parton all right you've got three men looking on with (laughs) no idea of film knowledge here yeah yeah look you call yourself a filmmaker Uh, so she needed help before she was okay to work again that's kind of key there. She had to eat loads of cheese to rebuild her bones because of the calcium in the cheese. <laughs> the calcium. And she thought, how, how do I works. get more cheese out of this pizza? <laughs> and so she invented, the, like I said, she invented the, the Cheesy Bites pizza. <laughs> I think our question writer might be hoping that one of us can identify the actress from that clue. And I feel like we're kind of dancing around in the dark here. In the early 80s, she became famous for something else. And that's quite important. If you're going into the cheese, she's not really super related to the cheese. Well, she sort of had to be helped in a wheelchair or something by somebody else. So she was helped by someone else. It wasn't a wheelchair. It was more about sort of rehabilitation after she'd hurt herself. That helps. Who was the physio? I don't have I don't have the name of the physio here. <laughs> but but you won't know the name of the physio. You'll know the name of the actress who's actually very famous for something else in the 80s that's related to what the physio helped her with. Okay, did she um did she for example do like loads of exercise videos? Was she one of those like people who sold exercise DVDs? Spot on. Absolutely. So she sold exercise oh. DVDs. Well, video, VHS is back oh, then. VHS, yes. VHS. Yeah. So God, who, was this, who was that really famous lady? Oh, that's so annoying. Pamela Anderson? Not Pamela Anderson. Okay, no. yeah. Not Olivia Newton-John, is it? <laughs> For some reason, I feel like that's closer, but it's also not correct. <laughs> not Olivia Newton-John. I'm just naming names from the 80s in my head now, like Gloria yeah. Estefan, that's not right. She's a musician. Um, Her surname sounds like a, like a car brand. If that helps, Bugatti, I guess. Lamborghini, Ford, uh, Betty Ford. Ford, Betty Ford, who set up the <laughs> clinics, but no, she's <laughs> not an actress. Sandra Toyota. It, it, when I say sounds, it rhymes with a car brand. <laughs> Sandra Bloyota, famous exercise woman. <laughs> oh God, give us some initials or something. So her initials are JF. Jane Fonda. Fonda. Jane Fonda. Fonda. Exactly. Oh, okay. We got there. We got there. All right. So you've got the 
Jane Fonda and her exercise videos. How does that then relate to Pizza Hut stuff? <laughs> was she doing oh like a, a goop thing where she was saying that cheese is really good for you, actually? It's kind of the opposite of that, actually. So she was saying cheese is very bad for you. So that sort of gave it great press. So yeah, it is, it is, about, the, it is about the price of cheese and her sort of <gasps> advertisements for certain dairy products. Oh my products. god, okay, so she said that cheese is awful for you, which crashed the price of cheese. And cheese became really cheap, and then Domino's were like, hey, the cheese is really cheap, let's give everyone more cheese. <laughs> no, so you're spot on, it is actually about economics. So what happened was, Jane Fonda broke her ankle, and then she had sort of physiotherapy for that, and she got really into exercise, she made these exercise videos. And in that, she was sort of saying, you know, uh, go for semi-skimmed milk, be healthier. And so people started going for semi-skimmed milk. And then what do you do with the rest of the milk that has been uh, skimmed? You make mm. cheese. And so suddenly there was a lot of really cheap cheese. And then Pizza Hut bought up that cheese and put it into their stuffed crust. So Jane Fonda breaking her ankle indirectly resulted in the invention of Pizza Hut's stuffed crust. The last thing then, at the start of the show, I asked the audience in German supermarkets and restaurants what can be bought in varieties called loud and quiet. Does anyone want to take a quick punt at that? Cheese. Ooh, the only thing I, I, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the only thing I thought was sort of food that you, in the cinema or something, that you don't want Ooh, to be. Ooh, crisp, <laughs> noisy, popcorn, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But that's probably totally wrong. It, it is quite literal. One of these options will be louder than the other. Is it smooth peanut butter and crunchy peanut butter? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> what, is a, what is a loud food? Explode, what's that? Popping candies, you know, things like that. Coca Pops. No, Sorry. Uh, Rice Krispies. Uh, they don't all use this, by the way. There are, there are other words for this, but some of the brands choose loud and quiet. Is it like popcorn? You have loud corn, which is popcorn, and quiet corn, which is <laughs> sweet corn. <laughs> uh, more of a bottle. Oh, like uh, Coca-Cola, like fizzy, fizzy pop. Oh, water. It's, what is it? Still in sparkling water. Still in sparkling water. Really? Quiet no. and loud water for some <laughs> German brands. Thank you very much to all of you. We'll uh, find out what's going on in your world. Where can people find you? Uh, we'll start with Jack. Um, so yeah, you can find me on my website, livinglondonhistory.com. I've got a book out called London, A Guide for Curious Wanderers. And yeah, Living London History across the social media networks. And when we have two people on from the same show, I never know who to go to first. So, uh, uh, all right, well, Corey, you are pointing at yourself. Corey, <laughs> tell us where people can find you. You can find me at Not Corey everywhere, and you can find me also at Sci Guys or at my house. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't encourage people. <laughs> How about you? Uh, you can find me at Luke Cutforth everywhere. You can also find me on the Sci Guys. And if you come to my house, I am not responsible for my actions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good threat we've got there that uh, includes you Corey. <laughs> that's a good threat um, if you want to know more about this show and definitely not come to anyone's house then you can do that at lateralcast.com where you can also send in ideas for questions uh, you can find us at lateralcast pretty much everywhere and we have weekly video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast with that thank you very much to Luke Cutforth thank you Tom Corey Will thank you very much Tom <laughs> and Jack Treasure. Thank you very much, Tom. <laughs> I've been Tom Scott, and that's been lateral. Thank you very much, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>